Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Dilly Algama. And uh, yeah, let's get started with some interesting chat because there's been some weird stuff going on this week. But before I do, I should probably ask you, Dilly, how are you? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, there's a wasp in this room, right? And I can hear it. You are not well. Yeah. I can't. No, no. Seriously, we still. I still have wasps in. Because I'm in the top floor of the house. There's still wasps just knocking about. Like the last sort of soldiers on the island still fighting the war for summer. And uh, there's one in here. So at some point in the recording, I might scream because it's it's come after me. Hopefully, you're in a wasp-free environment. I am. That's good. That's good. It's good. You keep your podcast environment totally sterile. That's what I like to see. So, um, the first thing on the uh, on the agenda today was: uh, Did you know the NFL were playing in Munich, Dilly? Um, 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 um. <laughs> no, no is the short answer. I didn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't either. It came as a bit of a shock. I only found out about it because I read a random Süddeutsche article about the fact that the NFL were playing, and all I could think was, "Why are the NFL playing in Munich? <laughs> What's all that about?" <laughs> Like it's usually the NFL stays in America, but apparently they're on a on a bit of a European sojourn. Maybe they're doing what the sort of British intellectuals used to do in the 18th century and go on the on the grand tour. They're going to go to Paris next, and then uh, then maybe Rome, and then then some other sites. Dilly, your face is really concerning me. What's going on? That's my look of concentration that I inherited <laughs> from my father. He has got children and so shall I. You looked at us like, oh no, maybe I'm going in the wrong direction here. I'm curious though, because I know the NFL is quite popular where I am and where you are in the in the I'm east a of Germany. Person, cricket. Oh yeah, but is cricket particularly popular where you are? I don't imagine there's a lot of cricket fans. No, there is no cricket here in Germany. <laughs> Absolutely not. There might be a Weissenfeld American football team because it is. There's a few around here. There's a baseball team in Augsburg. There's an American football team in Augsburg. So my thought that maybe there might be one in Weissenfeld. So did it not get to the east, east of Germany yet? There are things that I Google about <laughs> places that I moved to, but uh, football <laughs> is not there at the top of the list. You might have come across those, those random Germans that seem to really love NFL. I often get questions about, Am I, do I like the NFL? I'm like, no, I, I like rugby. <laughs> That's the same, isn't it? Mm, I know it's football season when people... Uh, you know, are very loud in their cars outside. I, I, I don't know. I have students that show me their football player cards mm-hmm. and say, ah, do you know that so-and-so is from this team? Mm-hmm. And I look mildly interested because that's all I can. Yeah. I mean, the NFL being in Munich has been slightly eclipsed by the fact that the World Cup's starting. So why are they playing in Munich? I don't, it's because they do a European fixture every year. They ah. usually do it in London. But this year they decided to do it in Munich. And it seems to have been pretty well attended, pretty well supported. Um, the stadium looked pretty full. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to look up the names because I couldn't find, I couldn't remember who they were. Uh, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks, and they played to a twenty-one sixteen victory for Tampa Bay. And I know that uh, the the famous Tom Brady plays for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a famous American footballer. Mm-hmm. He's got a very square head. Um, he's just like a he's just a giant square man. He's just a block of human. Uh, I wouldn't like to run into him on a dark night, to be perfectly honest. But uh, they played in the Allianz Arena, so Bayern Munich might be upset about the state of their football pitch when they come back to play in uh, in uh, in January. So they scheduled an American football game mm-hmm. in Europe when it's it was supposed to be cold. Yeah, I I mean they've done it. Like I said, they've done it in London. I guess it for some reason Wembley wasn't available because I think the last couple of years they've done it in London. But I guess it's something to do with maybe preparation for the World Cup. Maybe there's a band on. Who knows? But um, it's big news for American football fans in uh, in germany ah, um, okay. getting to see it's kind of like when the wwe turn up right everyone gets to see those people that they watch on television <laughs> i'm just <laughs> i'm not a fan of that either i'm not a fan of it either but it's one of those sports that like oh, I, i'm gonna say sports and in inverted commas i don't want to get beaten up by any wwe 
fans. But it's one of those things where a lot of people spend their entire time watching it on television and never get a chance to see it. Because I imagine for a German-American football fan, traveling to uh, the US to watch an American football game is a bit of a, a pricey expedition. So I guess it's that. I think it's about like creating buzz about the NFL. But I just thought it was weird that they chose the weekend before the start of the World Cup. Because I think most people are kind of sort of focused on the World Cup and Qatar starting. Um, but again, I'm assuming, Dilly, that you're not particularly aware of the World Cup. No. <laughs> no, but is, you know the kids have been showing you cards. I can say to save myself at this point? I'll be honest with you, it's the best World Cup to miss because it's the one where uh, it's in Qatar and no one's very happy about it. And it's yeah. over Christmas, which yeah. is a bit weird. I'm usually quite excited, you know. I'm the kind of guy who gets the panini stickers and and, and gets the wall chart up and, and starts marking off all the teams and all the scores, but I'm not doing it this time. I feel like it just feels a little bit wrong. Yeah, that we're set, I think we're there's going been the a, quite a few statements, at least on Twitter, uh, from mm. people who say they don't want to follow the World Cup mm. mm-hmm. simply because of the background. So is that your excuse, Dilly, that you're, uh, you're doing it for humanitarian reasons? That's why you know nothing about the World Cup. I am not that into sports. I am just not. Except cricket. I'm not into cricket either, to tell you the truth. Um, yeah, we can move away from sports. We don't. We're going to move on to a topic that Dilly is an expert in, and I am not an expert in. So, Dilly, you put in the script quince season. So, yes. you're going to have to tell me about. I'm going to be the, the amateur here. So, tell me, why are we talking about quince season? Quince has a very bad reputation. As a fruit that can only be consumed if, it, if, the, if the life has been boiled out of it with sugar. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm wondering if I may start a small club, at least, of people that actually just like to eat it as it is. Mm. I love it. I, I buy quince, possibly by the kilo, in a Turkish shop in Frankfurt. And I don't mm-hmm. know if Turkish shops in general have sweeter quince. It's a wonderful fruit to snack on. It's, it's, it's like a cross between a pear and an apple. It's a little mm. sandy inside. It's sweet, it's sour, and it's, um, it has this film of brown. Mm. I don't know. I, it's, it's, a, it's an exciting... I can imagine eating it with blue cheese. Has that caught your interest? That, do you know what? Eating things with cheese definitely has, has a, a resonance for me. That's your thing, isn't it? It really, I mean, it's a thing that I, it does seem like at the moment it's become my only thing. But um, my experience of quince is exactly what you've said, which is sort of in a jam, perhaps, or maybe maybe in a pie. I honestly didn't know what a, a quince pie? looked like. I guess so. I'm assuming that's where I would have come across it. Oh, you mean a fruit pie? Yeah, a fruit pie, not oh, okay. a meat pie. Okay. I feel like there's a disconnect if I have to tell you a fruit fruit pie or just like say a pie and you know it's got fruit in it, therefore it must be a fruit pie. That's right. like you said cherry pie and apple pie, but I've never heard of a quince pie. My assumption would be it would work. If it's kind of like a pear or an apple, you can have pear in a pie, you can have apple in a pie, you can have apple and pear in a pie. A pear pie. I mean, I probably wouldn't put it in as the single only ingredient because that does sound a little bit dull. But I can imagine that. I'm, I mean, a quick Google will solve this problem. I'm sure we'll find out if, uh, if you can put a quince in a pie. I bet the British have done it. it. Sounds like the kind of thing that they would do. Yeah, there you go. It sounds Honey like poached. the kind of thing the British would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Blushing sticker, quince pie from mag Women's pie on it. Yeah, damn right. I mean, it's, I don't get to use that magpie enough, so it's my opportunity. Apparently, honey poached quince pie is a recipe that yeah, exists. Honey poached, that's just another word for jam. <laughs> <laughs> I buy it in Frankfurt or I have my boyfriend buy it for me in Frankfurt and then he brings it over I don't I don't there's have there's a system to it yeah I wish I was sourcing something from Frankfurt I'm going to have to find a source of something in Frankfurt to to to, to that I can have transport it sounds what very what are you wanting uh, for I, pff, I'll be honest not a lot um, peace peace of anything to be honest getting rid of this freaky wasp that's buzzing around my head um anything anything would be would be a positive i don't know i mean what would i get from frankfurt otherwise um, i can't really think that frankfurt's got anything that i particularly need i quite like the idea that you like it's kind of one of those things isn't it where you oh, like oh i'll get this from this place like uh, this is like special service or you can get your i source my tea bags from britain but that doesn't again doesn't sound what, quite what as exciting kind? oh it's the ringtons ringtons ah, mail okay. order tea bags because that's how fancy I am. 
I stock up on Twinings in France. Twinings is in France? Yes, because it's done in Weissenfels and the <laughs> ones in uh, what you buy in Frankfurt is a little too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, France is your source of Twinings. I find Twinings a bit of a, it's a bit lightweight for my liking when it comes to a cup of tea. I always find that they're a little bit. You like, need to throw a spoon in it. Yeah, something uh, like that, you know, you need to get some sturdiness to it. Do you drink it with milk? Out of curiosity. Of ah, see. I knew you were cool. <laughs> the other thing that you mentioned, which I thought was worthy of a discussion, definitely, was that you've rekindled your relationship with your hot water bottle. Um, I want to rekindle my relationship also with my savings. Yeah, exactly. Have you been seeing this on Twitter where people will periodically go, has anyone turned their heating on yet? I've participated in these discussions with much glee. Because mm-hmm. um, I thought I could, uh, I would be the last person to switch on the heating, and then I mm-hmm. came down with a cold, as one does. But I do wonder, though, um, end of the year costs, also neben Kosten, Abrechnungen, are expensive as they are, and mm. um, I'm trying to do what I can to make sure my savings are directed to something a bit more uh, worthy. So yeah. I mean, hot water bottles are new to me anyway. I've never, mm. I never used them in Sri Lanka, I mean, obviously. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, we fill them with ice cubes, though, when we had a fever. And then, you know, it'll be on our foreheads like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? It makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, my wife's got a fine selection of, uh, of hot water bottles. She hasn't really used those. We've got, I mean, we did the smart thing when we moved last year and we got a um, Holtz oven installed um in the living room yeah i mean it made sense we had all the but they already they had an old one and and it was probably too old to use so we just replaced it found like a decent cost affordable option but like that's getting used quite heavily Mm. but like wood's cheaper than paying turning the radiators on and turning the heating on um are you timing your showers yet because i've been doing that like i time my showers to try and have a shower in two minutes uh, it's funny you should ask because I just got an alarm clock for my bathroom over the weekend. Really? Right. So you are doing that? Yeah. 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 Um, have you managed to master it? Because I still, I'd overrun every time. I never managed to get it like bang on two minutes. I end up with too much soap in my hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the problem. But um, I mean, the, the price of energy is shit and... And obviously that's to do with external factors and what's happening in, in Ukraine. But I do feel like this maybe seems sounds a bit stupid, but every time I, I have a shower and it's like two minutes or two and a half minutes yeah. or the fact that we're not using the heating or put a jumper on, I'm like, fuck Putin, you know? That's kind of what I'm thinking. It's like, it's like, it's like one in his eye, you know? Like it's a little thing that we can do to go like, yeah, screw you. And the German yeah, politicians that never, that never thought, you know, yeah, Putin mm. may not be the man we should be relying on. Yeah, I mean, it's to totally mad. That? Yeah, I mean, it's very surprising. But I just felt like the... Because uh, I felt so so unempowered when it all kicked off in, in March. And I felt like so, like, really aware of how insignificant, like, we are in the whole grand scheme of things. And I was like, there's nothing we can do here. And, like, what if... Well, like, there was a lot of crazy talk about, like, in other invasions in other countries. And then there's talk about nuclear war. And you're like, oh, what the hell do you do with that? And, um, like, I made a grab bag and I have, like, bottles of water in the basement. But nothing, like, too extreme. Because that's kind of like, if we have to leave, like, I'd rather be able to leave with stuff that we need than, like, just be throwing stuff into a suitcase willy-nilly. But, um... I went through the same phase. I wondered mm. if we had to like stock up on food. And right yeah. now I have like an extra bag of flour somewhere. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. Because yeah. that's also expensive. Do you know what it was, right? Having the baby and like I thought like what? I'd hate that thing of if I'd only had just taken two hours of a weekend just to fill this bag with like nappies and, and like a bottle and like and like have some water handy and like it's good to go and we can just like grab it if we just had to leave quickly. And um, that like makes a lot of sense, and but also felt a little bit stupid doing it. Like, oh, come on, like I'm probably never going to need you do this. But then I was just like, the overarching feeling was like, how dumb would I feel if, if if I could have done it and I didn't? But I do feel like this is a real positive way that, as much as the prices are high with energy, that it feels a very proactive thing that we're doing. If you're trying to sort of reduce your energy usage, yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get the hot water bottles out yet. 
One weekend, though, I did sort out my clothes, and I, you know, where, you know, you find very old sweatpants, and I, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I wanted to do the right thing, get rid mm-hmm. of it, uh, you know, clean things up a little, and then this happened—the whole discussion about energy and costs. And I mm-hmm. thought, no, oh, no, those old sweatpants are coming mm-hmm. right back inside. Yeah. That's where I am right now. Yeah, I think it's different though, because I mean, blogs have a different sort of core temperature, don't they? And so it's quite, I think for my wife, at least my experience is she's always cold all the time. And whereas I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I'm quite happy in a t-shirt. I'll be fine. I'm not short in t-shirt, but like I'm okay in a t-shirt. But she needs like, we need to have heating on and, and, and stuff like that because she yeah, does get really me. cold. Yeah, My boyfriend is the walking heat machine. <laughs> But my daughter's the same. My daughter's the same as me. Like she would, never wants to wear socks. Just just happy to knock around. Doesn't want to wear a hat. Thinks scarves are stupid. And I'm like, part of me's like, you probably should wear those things. But there's another bigger part of me that's like, yeah, that's my girl. There's the Geordie in you. Hey. Uh, so like, I can't. It's kind of conflicted a little bit. But um, it doesn't. You know. I mean, I I don't like wearing all these layers. I mean, even if yeah. if I have to take the garbage out right now, hmm. it means that you know I have to put on socks, proper shoes, a yeah. sweater, and a jacket for the five minutes. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why I have to do the bins. You just reminded me, Dilly, I need to go do me bins. <laughs> that's, no, I should write this down. <laughs> With the pandemic sort of subsiding and then coming in waves, uh, there's still it's still a little bit confusing about what the, the general rules are going to be. And I think this week we've had the first week where people don't need to isolate if they have got covid uh, but there's other changes afoot we've had the Oktoberfest, obviously for the first time in two years that happened uh, over september and october but the other big news has been certainly in berlin that the fireworks ban that was in place during the pandemic or during the early stages of the pandemic has been lifted and so there's an expectation now that berlin's going to become its bad old self over sylvester as uh, fireworks are unloaded in uh, military-grade amounts across the city. Uh, this is from an article in Süddeutsche Zeitung. Um, we'll post the link in the notes. And, uh, yeah, it's saying that it's expected to be a louder New Year's Eve than ever before due to the no-fireworks zones um, around certain areas being lifted. There are some places, I think, that still will have them. Uh, there's some places that that you won't be allowed to use fireworks, but I think a lot of focus is on Alexander Platz and um, uh, is it Steinmetzkies as well in Schoenberg near the Palaststrasse. But um, the final decision is apparently going to come from the local government in December. How do you feel about this, Dilly? Do you welcome the return of the fireworks to Sylvester? I do not welcome the return of fireworks at Sylvester. I quite liked it when we didn't have fireworks. It's nice to look at, but that is not all there is to it. I I do think about the animals, pets, uh, cats and dogs and the birds. Mm. Poor animals, it's nothing they will understand. You can't prepare them for it. And if you've ever been outside on the 1st of January in the afternoon when everyone's nursing their hangovers at home, Mm. the streets are, it's just full of rubbish. Mm. And um, the smell of uh, fireworks and is it is it gunpowder or no? Yeah, I mean it's black powder. Is black it black powder? Yeah, uh, it's it's nauseating. Mm-hmm. Smells like eggs. Oh, sulfur. Yeah, yeah. I see. I liked how you got it with sulfur from the smelling like eggs. It's like, ah. <laughs> it's like, ah, yes, of course, the sulfur. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So it is nauseating. It does make and there's a lot it of is. mess. And yeah, a lot I don't of, like that smell. In particular. Yeah. So yeah, the ten largest cities in Nord Rhine-Westphalen have chosen to, um, and, and, and and the most obviously the most populous state as well, uh, Cologne, Dusseldorf, Bielefeld, and uh, Dusseldorf look like they might carry on these these bans, especially to do with like burning fireworks. Which I assume when they say burning fireworks, it's like sparklers maybe, or or like just lit fireworks in general are banned. Certainly in the old town in Dusseldorf, uh, in Munich. They're going to be banned again uh, in the uh, Mittler Ring. Uh, in Nuremberg, there's other banned zones. Uh, um, and so I think a lot of cities are going to maintain them. 
Uh, again, Regensburg saying no no uh, fireworks in the old town, so a lot of the those those areas seem to be protected. Whereas Hamburg, Frankfurt, they haven't really made a decision. Uh, and Chemnitz has uh, said they don't really see any point in having a ban. So it's like everything in Germany, it's going to matter where you are on New Year's Eve, whether you'll encounter roaming bands of firework-wielding kids. Um, How do we still have this? I mean, it was just, was it, wasn't it? was it just two years ago, on the 1st yeah. of January 2020, 2020 mm-hmm. when in Krefeld, mm-hmm. an entire zoo burnt down and all the animals died mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. stray fireworks landing mm-hmm. in the zoo. How are we here when that happened? It's disappointing, to say the least. We are a country with very strict safety mm-hmm. laws. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, take our apartment buildings. They say that, you know, yes, you can keep a pram outside the door, but not this and not that. It's all about safety. And yet, oh, sure, you know, let's play with fire outside. But I guess, I guess we too, in Britain, they talk about the nanny state. And I guess that has some currency in Germany where people are like, oh, we used to play with fireworks all the time. Like, why can't we just keep doing that? And I, I guess- You also have lead paint. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think there's an element of, of that. They don't want rickets to come back, but they do want fireworks to <laughs> remain, you know? Like, I can understand to a certain extent because I guess the vast majority of people are quite careful with the fireworks it is extreme instances like the zoo that you mentioned but also people who just injure themselves blowing bits of their anatomy off because they're held onto a firework too long but even the police like the police union has said that they're in favor of a ban uh, and they've said that it's partially it's because of the um, enormous and completely unnecessary production of pollutants and the mountains of garbage on the street yeah. on New Year's morning, exactly like you said. And it said that, that actually it might be painful for people, but it makes sense. Of course, this is measured by the, um, I'm going to get their, their German name because I think, I think it might even sound even grander when we say it in German. Um, the, the Bundesverband Pyrotechnik, uh, which is the, um, I guess would be the Federal Association of Pyrotechnics and they are professional and amateur fireworks experts and they argue that a ban on small fireworks in front of someone's house or in the garden hardly leads to hospitalisation uh, and the majority of injuries in the emergency room are due to alcohol consumption and related conflicts and it's like well if you can find a way of separating a drunk person from their firework then maybe we can have a discussion but I don't know how you do that, really, to be honest. Actually, if I if you are separating things, I'd also like to separate professional from amateur fireworks. I know, yeah, I felt like that wouldn't quite quite work out. Like you've got the professional guy, and then the amateur is <laughs> waving. I feel his... very confident about no. an association that's no. amateur. You know, the amateurs at fireworks. Well, yeah, sure, yeah, they're also yeah. professional. Profe- but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's it. Um, you wouldn't be like, oh, we're going to this fireworks display. It's by the amateur fireworks team. You're like, oh, I think I'll stay here. Months, sure. yeah. I'd prefer not to go to that. Thank you very much. But I, I mean, I have some sympathy for people because I get that people want to do their own thing and certainly buying fireworks in your house and, and for your house and like for a small gathering of people makes sense. But at the same time, it's one of those extreme moments where people drink a lot of alcohol and a lot of people get injured. I don't understand why they just don't institute the rules they have in Britain where you're like, you want to buy some fireworks, you can only buy them on a certain time, uh, on a certain day, and you have to sign a book. And that would at least negate some of the worst aspects. But the fact that that bad old days of just walking past bins of, of fireworks in the supermarket, like I think that's gone slightly, but... I don't know. I'm not so. I don't feel that bad about banning them. I think it actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's the benefits loud. of it. That's the other thing. I mean, firecrackers, for instance, they're very loud. Who needs that? I mean, I would argue that one of the nicer parts, like when I lived in the in the city, and we had New Year, you'd stand at the window and we had a, a good vista into the into the city, and it was like it was quite exciting at a distance. You didn't have to have a fireworks display because everyone was letting off fireworks and there was just fireworks going off everywhere. And that was quite, it felt like, oh, this is the turning of the year. Mm-hmm. So I don't really mind it. I get what you're saying about the pets, but I've never had a massive amount of 
of sympathy for the pet owner's argument of like we should get rid of fireworks because it scares my cat or my dog and it's like well you've you've made a choice to have a cat and a dog like it's not really the responsibility of everyone else to look after your pets do you do you, do you disagree i take it i disagree to the point i throw something at you right now <laughs> but do you not do you not, do you not get what i mean like i don't think like oh, if God. you have a is cat the, is this going to be another one of those oh meinung's freiheit and my meinung is that i need fireworks that everyone else can hear how brilliant <laughs> no it's not going to be meinung's <laughs> but now i feel like i should make that argument <laughs> I think I like the alter the that social media alternative they have for fireworks. You know, they make a noise, whoosh, and then they bang pots above people's heads. That's a good thing. You go do that, Nick Horton, who, who doesn't care for other people's pets. <laughs> well, like it's. I mean, it's the same feeling I have for other people's kids. They're not my bloody responsibility. If you choose to have kids, like as long as I'm not, as long as I'm in my house doing my own thing, it's not my responsibility. You're not lighting like, fireworks in your own house. If you are, then you're you know? one of those amateurs. I've got. Oh that's what the Amateur Fireworks Association says is okay to do. We're doing <laughs> it in my basement. My <laughs> no, everything got set on fire, and I don't know why. Um, no, I mean, like the the sort of thought I'm having is like it's the same feeling I have for like um, it's slightly different. We've got um, November fifth; it's just passed, and that's a big day for bonfires and fireworks. You don't have as many people doing private displays. But you have a lot of like public displays where they'll do, they'll have something on like a, a in Newcastle. It was on... a very public display. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. no, I mean, like you would have like a, a professional outfit, no amateurs involved, a professional outfit, and they would put on a fireworks display. And we do that New Year down by the, the River Tyne on the bridges, or it, on November 5th, it'll be in a park and it'll be advertised and organised and you turn up and you can look at the fireworks and go, ooh, ah, ooh, and that's fine. And I think that's a totally reasonable th- thing. And in that instance, I'm not, I don't think the argument of like, we should get rid of all fireworks because my pets don't like them is really stands up to like, right, so everyone else has to like change their entire life because you really like to have dogs it's like well that's kind of the way of the world isn't it um it's like, this tough luck argument that you have nick yeah um, <laughs> you know it's just i i can see why you're fixed on it but that's not all there is to it it's just one of the reasons why we should probably ban fireworks okay the, go mean, give the, me the give main me the reason point is probably just being able to breathe the next morning you, you not... chose to be alive is that is that <laughs> your point now <laughs> You chose to breathe, you fool. No, so what I'm saying is I would take the ban as far as get rid of all all ability for private persons to have their own fireworks displays in the house. I think that's a totally reasonable position to have, barring like a sparkler. But I think we shouldn't have a situation where people are just expected on their own uh, cognition not to get pissed and fire fireworks off in the street like everyone does every single year and did do during the pandemic even when they were banned right what i'm saying is having a fireworks display in a park that's organized by the local community or the local uh, stadtrat i, I think is a perf- professional amateurs <laughs> Yeah, no, but only professionals and no amateurs. That, I think, is a totally reasonable position, and I think it's okay to have those events. I don't want to see a wholesale banning of fireworks, but there is a middle ground that we could exist in whereby there's a lot of things I've seen where they do displays with drones, light displays with drones, and that's quite an interesting alternative to fireworks where you can actually pre-program the drones to make kind of what would look like fireworks Mm -hmm. essentially Mm -hmm. and you don't have to have all the loud noise you can play a bit of music and it sort of looks very nice and that's fine and that's a middle way but i do think like banning fireworks entirely is is a for me that's like the the grenzer's like very clear like public display that's organized and safety and safe and secure fine drunk guy in street with bottle rocket not fine that's many, what i would how say how many boxes of sparklers do you have in your house right now uh, i'm not going to tell you about what i have I in my knew it. i knew it <laughs> i don't have any fireworks like a I don't cellar full of water 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 in case of a war breakout and your sparklers no no just in case you know i need to i need to crack out the fireworks now i, I mean i have a real thing about fireworks because we were conditioned in britain to to be worried about blowing our hands off and we're shown lots of like government 
messaging about the dangers of fireworks and we had policemen come to schools before the 5th of November every year and tell us about why you shouldn't go back to a lit firework don't like fireworks in your hand all of these things so like I'm quite sort of against fireworks as a danger to your life and limb um okay I I do like the idea of fireworks organized by a professional pyrotechnics team that I have no problem with okay I was I, I was going to scoff at you for having all these uh, schools, scholarly seminars in school uh, about how to not touch fire. But then I realized that I learned this by doing. Yeah, exactly. I set fire to my father's garden. There you go. See, I didn't do that, right? I didn't I do that. I burned down a cinnamon tree. Oh, well, I don't know what to say to you, Dilly. I am ashamed. <laughs> So, Dilly, you know I'm cool, right? Yes. I... You waited a bit too long there. There was a bit of a delay. Like, let's try that again. You know I'm cool, right? Yes. I felt, I felt like now, now, now I'm just aggressively <laughs> shouting at you. Tell me I'm cool. No. You're um, cool, Nick. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Dilly. You're um, welcome. I'm so... Uh, I periodically, I find my, myself on websites like the Ex-Berliner or exberliner.com where um, I'm reading an article and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand any of this and I think I, I hate everything it's talking about. I would say Ex-Berliner is quite an enjoyable website to go on. So um, don't take this as a, a high negative. But I found the recent article that they wrote entitled What Not to Do at Berghain, How to Avoid the Biggest Mistakes. I loved this article so much and I was like I just want to talk all about the things that it says because it's it just opened a door of insanity that I haven't been able to shut since I've read it so I'm going to walk you through this article um, Dilly and you're going to hopefully tell me what you think so it's basically about the very famous club in Berlin called Berghain um Note to listeners, I've never been to this place. It's apparently impossible to get into, and a person who looks as square as I do definitely will not get in. But this is how hard it is to get into there, Dilly. There's there's a lot of different things. The first thing it says to you, and I've been to clubs before. Mm-hmm. You seem pretty cool. I'm willing to admit that quite happily without without a stutter or having to think about it, Dilly. Notice how I'm saying how cool you are without even having to think about it. You know, it's uh, I see. just a thought. Okay, I'll, I'll go for that speed next time. <laughs> <laughs> so um you seem pretty cool i'm assuming you've been to clubs before Twice. and you've been to bars wow so you know what it's all about right yeah um i've been maybe more than twice but that's just because you know uh, like i said I- i'm pretty cool um right the first thing piece of advice this article gives you is it says the things of course that you you have to avoid doing so it says avoid not bringing a change of clothes and straight away my alarm bells are ringing when it's like you go into a club, you might need to bring a change of clothes. And I'm like, well, what, what's going to happen in the club that <laughs> makes me need to have a change of clothes? It opens a, a lot of possibilities, right? And what the article says is nobody expects you to stand in line for two hours in winter in only your pants and a harness freezing your genitals off. And I was like, right, okay. So already the dress code is maybe a bit more extreme than I'm expecting if I'm wearing pants and and a, and a harness. Although I'll not lie, I've thought about it. Is it uh, pants and a hairnet? No, a harness. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> like the idea of rocking up with a hairnet. Yeah, yeah. Got to keep that fro in shape. As it goes on, you'll find that maybe a hairnet is a totally acceptable piece of piece of club to, to, to be rocking here. Apparently, Bergheim gets very hot very quickly if you wear jeans. And I was like, well, that's already ruling me out because that's all I ever wear. So, um, And they suggest that you bring something skimpier in your backpack to change in the cloakroom. And I was like, okay, makes sense. You wear your outdoor clothes, you get into the club and get changed. I can kind of... You don't seem to be buying into that idea. Do you not like the idea of changing in the, in the in the toilets or something? In the public you... toilets, no. No, I no. avoid going to public toilets <laughs> at the best of times. And what I wasn't prepared for was the bit where it says this means that people get naked just inside the door that isn't a changing room. But if that bothers you, boy oh boy, are you in the wrong place? And I say like, it bothers me. It bothers me a lot. I don't want to walk at the club and to this see a row of naked people. This is very contradictory to one of the next points. 
it says no sex on the dance yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, there's no. Um, uh, the, the, what are the but what are the other options? But you may change your clothes. Quite yeah. close to it. Okay. You can change your clothes and get naked in the doorway. You okay. just can't get it on in the on the dance floor. I think it was um, the, the the next thing it talks about after bringing your change of clothes is not knowing who is playing. And I thought, well, that's funny. I don't think I've ever been to a club where I knew who was playing or what music was going to be played. I don't have that strong a feeling about music that I'm like I'd only go on unless it's like schlager music i'd pretty much be happy with whatever's playing in in the Berghain. i think a lot of it seems like right up my street would you go to a club specifically to listen to a particular type of music or a particular musician or a dj or whatever nick i'm from Giessen, and when we <laughs> go to clubs in Giessen, it's usually the new university student band <laughs> and you don't know who's playing <laughs> um yeah so it says, you should know who's playing. And I was like, right, okay, I can understand. Like, Bergheim's cool. They've got cool DJs playing. It's They're Berlin. Probably... It's Berlin. It's, it's yeah. art. Okay, okay. But surprisingly, point, point it's not then. because of taste of music, but it says, there are stories that Bergheim's bouncers ask you if you know who is playing. Uh, the program is usually hanging on the door behind them, and you can pretty much read off the poster who is on the roster. But it's not just about memorizing a name. They are checking to see if you've done some research and prepared yourself for the evening ahead. And I was like, am I going to get an exam before I even get in the fucking club? Like, I would have already left the queue at this point. And they're like, University well. enrollment. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, man. Do I have to do a test? <laughs> like, how how great is this club? This club better be, like, the most amazing club, honestly. And um, according to reports, it is. But I still don't feel happy. I barely like pub quizzes. No. I certainly I don't, don't think like... I need this anxiety if I'm going to a club to unwind. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. You're meant mm-hmm. to be going to have fun, not to have to, like, pass some mad gatekeeping test. No. So I wasn't massively impressed by that. Um there was another one about um, doing it for the story. And I guess this is why a lot of people go to Berghain, but they said sex on the dance floor is so commonplace that it's not worth mentioning. No one should go to Berghain just because they are looking for stories. First of all, everyone already knows what happens there. Secondly, filling up your own repertoire with the excess of others is pretty fucking lame. Don't be an observer. Participate. And I was like, imagine like that was your life. <laughs> Like that's your life of going there's more anxiety after the exam <sighs> shit yeah i mean then you've got to prove that you went there and then you've got to be like yeah i mean it does seem a bit cliche at this point right like maybe we need to get some people from berlin to tell us all about it but I it does feel a bit... country girl from Gießen. i'm like you i went, stomp around I went... the floor a little bit and that's it I went to Augsburg's foremost club. It's called Peaches. <laughs> they didn't ask me any questions. <laughs> I got a vice beer. It was horrendous. <laughs> I didn't, there was no sex on the dance floor. It's fine. It was okay. I went home. It was quite a nice evening. <laughs> like that's that's the level where I'm at. Um, I mean, the idea of having sex on the dance floor is terrifying, but the the yeah. sort of desire to tell people about it afterwards. I mean, as a British person, that would just bring massive amounts of shame, I think. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. It's as terrifying as sex on the beach. Uh, no, thank you. Not not very much. Um, <laughs> I did. I felt comforted by the fact it talked about waiting in line for the toilets might take ages uh, because people are uh, taking too many drugs in the cubicles. Well, changing, but also apparently doing mass amounts of drugs, which it kind of made me like sort of reminisce of my time working in bars in Newcastle, where you'd go into the toilet and there would be five blokes in the cubicle, and you'd be like, "Do you want to get out the cubicle?" And it'd all come out like rubbing their noses, going, "Oh yeah, it's, uh, we're having a great time." <laughs> Like it was horrendous. You'd always get that always happening. Big burly blokes as well, just all in the toilets, like in a tiny cube. This is why they want people to bring a change of clothes so that on the security camera they'd be like, you know, it's not the same person, we don't know who that is. (laughs) It's espionage. It's not a bad idea, actually, you know, when you think about it. But yeah, so um it also talks about experimenting with drugs and it says that they're quite freely available. Um it's one of those things where it says, I guess, I guess this is where you sort of forget, I forget how old I am. Cause like, like that's an early lesson, early doors. When I used to go out with my, my brothers to, to clubs and stuff like that, early doors, they would say things like, if anyone offers you anything, don't take it. And I was sort of brought up to understand yeah. the dangers don't of. Don't accept a drink that's been opened. 
all of that stuff exactly but like the the fact that yeah i forgot like oh some people need to be told that like accepting random white powder off of someone in the toilets is probably a terrible idea but i was kind of like i I left the article wondering do i want to go to bergheim is that why i'm infatuated with this article or is it because it's like just sounds like the worst club experience is, is this the club? Because uh, Nick, I, I think I should tell you. Yeah. Um, I You're not a, cool. What? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, when I lived in my vegay, you know, during my vegay life, I had a flatmate who used to leave home at eleven, and that's when I would like have a shower and get into my pajamas, and that's when she goes to the bathroom to get all dolled up to go out. Wow. Okay. And this is—I I don't know if this is the club experience. I—I I have never done it like this. Like so, the first clubs that I went to were like clubs in Falkirk, right? Mm. I had one club. It was called Rosie's, and it Aww. was sound. It's, it sounds about no, it's not. No, it's like ugh, ugh. it was a horrible experience. Oh, um, but then like when I went to Newcastle, there's lots of big party city, so there's lots of clubs to go to. But they're all like much of a muchness. I do feel like Bergheim has that edge where it's the only place that you would ever experience this would be here that seems to be the sort of message it's giving off i just think i I just i just wonder about like is it really as good like like is would it really be that good like if i got into bergheim would it be like this is great and then after about a couple hours it'd be like time for bed (laughs) that's that's a funny question for me like a thriving nightlife is having enough sleep Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know why so... these, you know, at Dame and Rossman, you have all these shelves of lavender pills and things to make, mm-hmm. you know, for for better sleep. Mm. And then, yeah. Yeah, but the, 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 the sort of experience of clubbing is a bit like that in Germany where you, you go out late and stay out till really early in the morning. Yeah. Whereas my, my in Britain, it's different because the bars close sort of 11, 12 and the clubs close around about three, maybe. So you can't go out until six in the morning like you can in a lot of other places. So I can understand why somewhere like that that never seems to close over a weekend could be an attractive option. Because um, there's something yeah. quite there's something really enjoyable about coming home in the daylight after a, a like a proper session. Like I reminisce about that quite often. Like not like oh, I can't relate to this. Coming back I mean, at like six I'm in the morning. I'm not going to talk about the clubbing scene in Sri Lanka because I was never part of it. Mm. I even now, like you know, getting going to bed at 10 p.m.—that's a treat. Oh, I, can't, I, could, I just couldn't go to bed at 10 p.m. I'm a pure nighttime procrastinator. There's a big part of my brain that's like, if you offered me the opportunity to stay out till six in the morning and party like a, a, a lunatic, I'd be like, yeah, take that, take that right now. I don't know like, what that is. Pajamas, yeah. books, movies like i like those things they're great but i would certainly like if if the opportunity arose if someone phoned us maybe not tonight maybe not on a a tuesday night that seems a bit excessive it's a school night after all but if it was like a friday or saturday night friday especially if someone was like oh i got i got tickets to go see so and so in this club she would go she would go it doesn't finish till like five in the morning and i had no responsibilities and nothing that i needed to do i would totally totally do that what if you're hungry? I just work it out. Just work it out. Have you a kebab work before out I go in. Hunger? I've like, never heard a, of anyone working out hunger. There's a lot of clubs in Germany that have like they'll have like a pizza bit or they'll have like a thing to offer you food. Like, a thing you can that buy offers f- you food. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean like not a thing. I mean I'll be be more. I'll elaborate. So a lot of places they'll do like they'll have like a pizza oven or they'll have some kind of facility for food. Hmm. I've been to a lot of clubs down here that are like that. So I know that that's an available option. Plus, most places give you a stamp, so you can just nip to the Mackey D's and get a... I don't eat McDonald's, but again, if I'm breaking all the rules, I might as well have a McDonald's as well, right? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I've had McDonald's like four times in my life. (laughs) It's a good policy to have. necessity. The only time I have a McDonald's is when I'm properly hanging, when I've had a a real heavy... like It has to be really heavy, where my morals are, are so wrong that having a mcdonald's seems like it seems like a step up like if you ever see me eating a mcdonald's you know the last 24 hours have been horrendous in some way shape or form or i feel like i'm about to die because i'd never eat a mcdonald's otherwise but i would if i was going to burger, burger. <laughs> 
But do you never get that? Do you never get the feeling that you want to have like a rager? Like you just want to go like, ah, and like party no. in a club for like six hours? Never. No. Really? No. Wow. Um, maybe, maybe I do it differently. What? I think, I don't know, I, I get... Uh, I get an urge sometimes to like really cook elaborate things mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. I go out and buy all the ingredients and I'm mm-hmm. in the kitchen and and that's that's me. Maybe that's my raging. I think it probably applies the same way. It's when you just know you're going to go all out, I guess. Maybe it's a bloke thing. I don't know. Maybe it's like... I'm going to say it's an introvert thing. Do you think it's an introvert yeah. thing? I wouldn't want to gender it, but my assumption is that I'm I'm like on the I'm on the cusp of a midlife crisis, and this this Berghain article has just sparked something in my head that's like next week I'll buy a, a bright yellow Porsche. I mean, my boyfriend tells me that when he used to live in Berlin, uh-huh. uh, yeah, that was his life. So he, yeah. uh, you know, he rarely was he was rarely home during the weekend uh-huh. and uh, Friday night, Thursday night, and you get. Uh, wasted is the word i think yeah wasted would be the correct terminology i think it gets old fast though like i, I can do two nights and then i'm and, like and you know you listen to electro music and that's what you dance to oh yeah i'm banging to that that's fine by me i, have I, no I don't problem. dance to things i can't sing along to i <laughs> know <laughs> oh, i like no one's ever sang along to electro i know i mean that's not true like if i listen to uh, Eddie and Decresse has some beautiful tunes that you can uh-huh. sing along to, um, but if it's like a, if it was a, a DJ that I knew and I and I, I loved, I'd go. But it would have to be someone pretty special for me to be like, I'm gonna party like it, like it's it's going out of fashion, you know. But um, yeah, I'm I'm sort of enchanted with Berghain. I can't wait to get someone from Berlin so I can just ask them loads of questions. Like, is it is it as bad as it sounds? Because it sounds pretty horrendous, but it also sounds amazing at the same time. <laughs> I see, I see. <laughs> yeah, I think I've just announced my midlife crisis, so we'll see, we'll see how this develops over the next few weeks. You keep us informed, Nick. <laughs> I will. <laughs> hey, Dilly, can you, uh, can you hear something? Hear? What? The, you cannot, you cannot, cannot hear that in the distance. No, what is it? It's a Boris Becker update. Ah, yes, Dilly. This is your first round of the Boris Becker update. So enjoy. Um, It's a short update this week, but the story so far, Dilly, in case you have not been keeping up with your Boris Becker. Bring me up to date. He was uh, put in in prison for uh, tax fraud uh, in the UK. Mm -hmm. And he's been uh, going through um, some different phases. The last time we heard about Boris Becker, he was teaching fellow inmates yoga. Uh, and he seems to have charmed all his fellow inmates. They all seem pretty happy with his with his yoga classes, but also just his general his general um, sort of person. They seem quite happy. They all say he's quite a nice guy. And we have uh, this week an uh, update from a German publication instead of a British publication. And this is from the Frankfurt Allgemeine. And it's Boris Becker could soon be deported to Germany. Ooh. Um, so, as it says, he could be home by as soon as Christmas. Um, the home as in uh, not to a German Germany. prison. Yeah, well, I think it's actually, you'd be released, well, as we'll see, he may well be released on his own reconnaissance. I know he's also facing, I think he's facing tax evasion charges in Germany, so he might get locked up again. Uh, we'll have to see. Apparently, he has signed up for a program to get him home in time for Christmas. And this is from a source within the prison. Aww. And it's reported, of course, by the sun. Boo, boo. boo. Uh, that's why we get our news from the Frankfurt Allgemeine. So his German lawyer, Becker's German lawyer, Christian Oliver Moser, didn't want to comment when he was asked, but it does seem that he signed up to some kind of initiative. He was obviously sentenced to two and a half years in prison for concealing his assets, I think was the technical uh, charge. And uh, he's been in Huntercombe Prison in West London since um, since April. Um, apparently, though, under UK law, he can be paroled when he served at least half of his sentence. But that would be 15 months, and that would be July 29th next year. But there does seem to be some kind of movement to get him back before Christmas, which would be good because that'll give us something to talk about in December if he's if he's brought back for Christmas. Yes, he can have he can join the campaign for cheese and Stalin um, that kicks off on the first of December. Uh, so. <laughs> 
could I'm not even lying. British Steelton. I know. I mean, he could bring some home in his socks, and that would be useful for us. <laughs> he could just smuggle some over for us. Um, what, what was more interesting is apparently this program, according to the Sun newspaper, this program uh, of, of release and deportation is meant to ease the pressure on overcrowded British prisons. And I was just like, geez, man, nothing in Britain works How at this point. How much room was he taking up? Yeah, I know. I'm easy, but maybe he's gained a lot of weight. I don't know. No, of course he's not that big. He um, is, is fit doing all his yoga. The um, Apparently, though, there is an initiative, and this is so British, right? Uh, it's such a British, modern British law or, or, or sort of rule that they've created. Every foreign prisoner who can be released from prison and deported up to 12 months before the earliest release date is eligible for this program. So apparently, if you're a foreign prisoner and can be deported... Of course it's a yeah. foreign prisoner Fuck, program. Of course it is, right? Of course is, it is. That sounds very British right now. That's just Britain's like, yeah, get all the foreigners out. We'll have an NHS that's run by no one and we'll be, there'll be no one to work in the shops. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this is. This is so ridiculous. But if, I mean, if Boris Becker gets home for Christmas, all all power to him, I guess. So apparently, a spokesman for the Home Office told the Sun newspaper, "Any foreign national sentenced to prison for criminal offence is eligible for deportation at the earliest opportunity." Which is lucky, because given the way the UK Home Office is being run now, it's lucky it wasn't some kind of just garbled mess of you bloody woke. Wokenistas eating vegan food. You just care more about immigrants than the great British public or something like that. I'm paraphrasing Suella Breverman at this point, but I'm pretty sure that's what the Home Office is all about uh, in these trying times. So, yeah. Any final thoughts, Dilly? Are you looking forward to a, a Beckerful, a Boris Beckerful Christmas if he turns back? I'm invested in uh, Boris Becker and his shenanigans now. I think you should, though, go with the British Stilton this time with the Ophios Tollen. Do you know how hard it's to get still? I've already looked at how much it costs to get still and to come over, and it it's, is very expensive. It's horribly expensive. I saw it in Rave over the weekend. A small triangle was just was five euros. You saw you saw British Stilton in Rave. Yeah. yeah. Why are we having a Boris Becker update? No, 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 Stilton update. <laughs> Would you try it on Quince? Um, um, uh, well, you know, I might, I suppose, but I this isn't this a Quince update. This is a Stilton update. Enthusiasm suits you, Horton. <laughs> Thank you very much. Anyway, that was your Boris Becker update. Thank you very much. Uh, that brings us to the end of the show. We're off to kill a man for some Stilton. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. We are also hungry for uh, Spotify stars, so chuck some of them delicious stars on there. Nom, nom, nom. Yeah! <laughs> nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome. All lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. You can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash DecadesFromHome and contributing to help keep this boat afloat. Yeah, so um, we're still kind of working out what to do with our Facebook page. I'm just not convinced by it at this point, but um, I'm going to keep working away at it. So if you would follow the Facebook page, that would be good. And uh, maybe we can sort of build a muscular community on there too, uh, if needs be. But um, it's a work in progress. We'll just keep at it. If you've got any tips or ideas for what we can do with the Facebook page, we're more than welcome to send them to us. So please do that. Uh, as ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic like this to cover, you can tweet us on at Decades From Home, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks, and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. Tschüss.